water, one baptism in the name of Jesus, we will give God praise this morning. Now, I know that this is casual Sunday, but I don't want to be casual in the presence of God. And I, this is the only service. So will you please make sure your cell phones are shut off? Make sure that, uh, you know, we'll do whatever you do have to do to take care of distractions. Need to go to the bathroom, please go. This is, the only, this is the only service. And so God, God needs to speak to our hearts this morning. Do, do, you, do you mind if I, the preacher gets casual this morning? Do you mind if I take off my jacket? Because it is hot out. If you got your Bibles, turn with me to Ephesians, the sixth chapter. And we're going to start with the 10th the verse. And then I am going to go to Matthew 16. When you got it, say amen. When you got it, say amen. amen. Praise God. At least some have brought their Bibles. In Ephesians 6. Starting with verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand, excuse me, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all of the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. In Matthew 16, verse 18, I say say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall shall not prevail against it. Close your Bibles, you that have them. Bow your heads, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, Lord, for this time. That, Lord, that we have gathered together for your word and for the Spirit of God to come down and minister in in the presence of your people. 
God, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would bless this time. I ask your anointing, Lord, upon this time. I ask that your spirit would minister, Lord, into this place. God, it's not who is here, but God, that you are here that matters. And that, God, that you are able to touch every heart and every soul and every need, God. I'm thankful, God, that you are here. And I ask your blessings and your anointing upon this congregation. And in the name of Jesus, I command every demonic spirit to leave and every unholy and unrighteous spirit, Lord, to go. And I ask, God, your blessings upon this time in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' holy name, amen, 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 amen. I give you praise this morning. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, please. God bless you. You may be seated. We are in a series teaching about the principles of Christian living. Oh, does it? Okay. It just felt funny. Anyway, we are in the principles of Christian living. Recently, we've been taught about living in the Spirit. We've been taught about living... With a transformed mind. Last week we were taught about living with forgiveness or living in forgiveness. Today I want to talk to you about the principle of living in victory. You see, uh, have you ever, have you ever grown up and as you were growing up as a young child you you learned to play make-believe? You see, today's children don't seem to have the ability to, to think outside of Nintendo or uh, Xbox. or they, they, they got to have somebody generate their fantasies for them. And uh, I can remember when I was growing up, <coughs> excuse me, that when I was growing up, I used to play with G.I. Joes. My dad would spend 2 or $3, buy a bag of toy soldiers, and I would go outside, and I would build these little war mounds, and we had, I'd have the battle with, with these, these uh, oppressors. Uh, you, know, you know, you could be Russians or Germans, or usually it was Germans because I played with World War II because so, I'm that old. You know, but, uh, you know, you, you play, I played with these soldiers, and I made believe that I was one of these soldiers. And I would create these little scenarios that... Um, that I was, the, I, I, I was the victor. I was the champion. I was the guy that was, was going to overcome the enemy. I was going to destroy evil, and I was the good guy. I, I mean, maybe for some of you, you played with your Barbies. Maybe for some of you, you played house. Maybe for some of you, you played something else. I don't know what it is. Maybe your dad was a, a race car driver, and you pretended as a child that you were going to be a famous race car driver. Maybe your dad was a football player. And you wanted to be a football player. I don't know. But this morning I want to talk to you about the what ifs. The imaginary what ifs. You know what, I, I, can't, I can't take credit for this, but um, I, I have for a while now have uh, adopted the philosophy that uh, would have, could have, and should have's are for children. Because they all are like, People who play golf. People who play golf have what I believe what is called a mulligan. It's a do-over. And uh, when you say would have, could have, and should haves, you want to do it over. And when you say what if, you're talking about 
let's do it over. Or if only, oh, if only I, if only I did this, if only I did that. It's all make-believe. But let's play a little make-believe this morning. What if you were an athlete? You were at the top of your game, and you, uh, you had a choice to choose a football team that you would play for. Would you play for a, for a losing team? Would you choose a team that was, has a losing record, say like the Tennessee Titans or maybe the, the Pittsburgh Steelers or maybe even the New England Patriots? You know, who would you, who would you shy away from if you were a football player? You wouldn't go to a losing team, would you? No. You'd want to pick a winner. You'd want to pick a team that would never lose. How about a team that would never suffer defeat or, or, or never suffer a loss? How about if you were a gambler? How about if you were a gambler and you were always able to pick the winning horse or the winning car driver or the, whatever you bet on? Or maybe you were, want to play the what if if you were a lawyer. That for every case that you as a lawyer choose, you, you look over the information and you, you judge it and you say, I can win this case and you win every case. What if? make-believe world you see the scripture talks about a perfect world the scripture talks about being on a winning team and Matthew talks about I say unto thee thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it who was involved it was Peter now I don't know why God chose Peter Peter was a fisherman. Peter was somebody who, who uh, was used to the rough lifestyle. Why, why did God see Peter and say, I want you to be the guy? Why did God reveal to Peter something that was so important? What was it about Peter's character? What was it about who, what he did for a living? What was it about his, his lifestyle? What was it about who he was growing up? What was it about Peter that God decided to reveal something unto him? I don't know. What is it about you? What is it about you that God has looked upon you and says, I choose him. I choose him. I choose her. What is it that God sees in you? What is it that God brings to your life that's, that says, I find you important? What is it that God finds so important in your life that he chooses you? You see, you can't come on to God until God chooses you. No man can come unto the Father unless the Father first call him. God sees value. God didn't call you just to have you sit upon a pew. God didn't call you so you could sit there and look pretty. God didn't call you so that you could just be there so, so that, that when, when, when the, so somebody walks through the doors that they can see a bunch of people sitting upon the pew. God called you with a purpose. God looked at Peter and says, I'm going to reveal something unto you. I'm going to give you something. Now, Peter, Peter says, what? God gives him a special thing. Not just anything. He didn't give him gold. Right now, gold is going for $1,600 an ounce. $1,600 an ounce. So if you had a pound of gold, you'd almost have three, four, five, I don't know, 
several thousand dollars. <laughs> gold is, was that precious. But God didn't give him gold. God didn't give him jewels. Didn't give him diamonds or rubies. God gave him something more precious. Gave him a key. Gave him a key. Not just any key, but an important key, a precious key. A key that was going to change the world. Gave him a key that was going to affect a drunkard. Going to give him a key that was going to change Jerusalem forever. Gave him a key that was going to change the course of history. Gave him a key that was going to change the life of a drug addict or a prostitute or a pornographer or a murderer or a thief. He gave him that key. And that key is still viable today and that key is Jesus. And you know what he did with that key? He took that key to church. Then after he took it to church, you know what he did with that key? He took it outside. And he showed it. He says, here's my key. Look at my Jesus. And he took that key to the market. And he took that key home. And he took that key to work. And he took that key to, to play. And he took that key wherever he went. And see, that's still the way it is today. we got to take that key with us. It doesn't matter where you're at. You need to take that key with you. You need to take that Jesus with you. It don't matter that after service tonight, we're going to go, or this afternoon, we're going to go out and eat. Because I don't want to go anywhere without that key in my life. And then he used it. And the most promising thing happened. You know what happened? Satan come. And he tried to destroy that key. He tried to steal that key. He tried to hide that key. He tried to bury that key in prison. And it wouldn't be hid. And that key has not changed over 4,000 years of man's day. That key is still opening up those doors. Those, that key is still changing lives. That key is still changing hearts. That key is still changing souls. Today, because that key cannot be hid. Don't hide your Jesus. Don't hide your life in a church wall. Take your Jesus. Take your key with you. Because your gold and your silver and your diamonds and your rubies and all the things that you count precious, they're not going to last. One day, you're going to have a hole in your pocket and you're going to drop it out of, your, out of your pants pocket. But see, when you get that key in here, you can't drop it. Satan has tried to prevail against the church year after year, century after century, millennium after millennium. He's tried to destroy it. And he has not prevailed. They have tried to change the doctrines. They have tried to change the word of God. They have tried to pervert the word of God. They have tried to hide it. They have tried to burn it. They tried to kill it. And it could not be killed. And it still can't be killed today.
But Peter wasn't the only one. Oh, Peter was good, but he wasn't the only one. He, that key got away. That key started spreading. That Jesus, he got all over Jerusalem and ignited the city. But let's look at somebody else who had a key. Let's look at somebody else. Let's read. If you got in your Bibles, read. Let's go to uh, Romans, the 8th chapter. And we're going to start with the 39, 35th verse. And we're going to read down to thir- uh, 39. I'm still, on the, I'm still on the same subject. I'm still on the, living victoriously. It says, who? Who is it that's going to separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or excuse me or sword as it is written for thy sake we are all we are killed all the day long we are counted as sheep for the slaughter nay and all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height, nor death, or any other creature shall, have, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Who's going to separate you? Did you catch what happened? Now, I know we were, I ran through that pretty quick, but did, 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 you catch, did, you, did, you, did you catch what happened between verse 37 and 38? Something powerful happened in that verse. And I bet you, you didn't even see it. Because I didn't see it. Not right away. Let's let's try it again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are counted all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. We are more than subduers. We are more than winners. We are more than champions. But then something happens. Are you looking at the scripture? Where are we at? Between 37 and 38, what happens is there's an epiphany or a, excuse me, a, a, a paradigm shift that takes place. A paradigm shift. Somehow, I, I don't know how long it took for, for, for Paul to write this, but, but something happened. This, this paradigm shift. Now, what is a paradigm shift, you may ask? Okay, well, I'm going to tell you. In 1962, Thomas Kuhn wrote The Structures, A Scientific Revolution, and fathered and designed or defined and popularized the concept of a paradigm shift. Kuhn argues Scientific advancement is not evolutionary, but is rather a series of peaceful interludes punctuated by intellectual violent revolutions. And in those revolutions, one conceptual world is replaced by another. Now, did you get that? That's what a paradigm shift is. Now, let me bring it down just a little bit closer to home. Think of a paradigm shift as a change from one way of thinking to another it's a revolution it's a transformation it's a sort of metamorphosis or a changing of thought or idea 
it just does not happen, but rather it is driven by an agent of change. Okay, so somewhere in here at the, at the end of verse 37, nay, in all these things I am more than a conqueror, to verse 38 that says, I am persuaded. You see, if you look at the first half of those scriptures, he's talking about all the things that he went through. But then suddenly in verse 30 says, 38, he says, I am persuaded something changed him. There was an agent of change that took place. I submit to you this morning that the agent of change happened on the road to Damascus when this power of the Spirit of God and said, Paul, Paul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are thou? And she says, I am the Lord whom thou persecutest. The change, the agent of change was the power of the Holy Ghost when it fell upon Paul. And he says, I don't care what happened in the past. I don't care that I had to suffer. I don't care that I had to walk around in peril. I don't care that I was in peril of the sword. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. But I am persuaded that Neither life nor death is going to separate me from the power of God. I don't care what happens today. I don't care if my world ends tomorrow. I don't care if the world comes to an end. But I am persuaded that neither life nor death is going to separate me from my God. Talk about an agent of change. It wasn't just the Holy Ghost that makes the change. It's when we sit with our brothers and our sisters in church that makes the change. It's when we take this Holy Ghost and we mix it with the Word of God that it makes a change. Oh, it's a paradigm shift that takes place when a man or a woman comes down and he repents of their sins and God fills them with the Holy Ghost and he's not the same man. He's not the same woman. I don't know how it happened to Paul, but it happened. And he was so glad. You're not going to keep me away from my God. You see, when we come into this church and we are baptized in the name of Jesus, and we're filled with the Holy Ghost, excuse me, it is just the doorway to a great life. It is when God takes that key and he says, I don't care where you go, take me with you. I don't care if you're going to Babs, take me with you. I don't care if you're going to the gas station, take me with you. I don't care where you're going. I want to be with you. Be persuaded this morning that I don't care what the world is doing. I don't care the way the world is going, but I'm going to take my Jesus. We try to do things in our own way. We try to do things by the, by the, the, the strength of our flesh. We try, we try to give up smoking by the will of the flesh. We try to give up our drug habits and our drinking habits by the will and the strength of the flesh. It doesn't work. That's how we got into the mess. We kept walking after our own pernicious ways. We kept doing things our own ways. But God says, i got a better way. Become persuaded of me. 
Because he overcame the world, I can overcome the world. You don't have to be bound. You don't have to still live in your carnality. Jesus is here to deliver you. And then he wants you to walk persuaded. Not in the old ways. Not in the old lifestyles. He wants you to walk new and fresh and holy. His victory makes our redemption and heaven possible when we serve him. Paul didn't come to this conclusion easily. Sometimes we get the conclusion or we come to the conclusion that when, when you read the scriptures, oh, it just happened. They didn't have to worry about it. It's not part of anything that really affected them like today's lifestyle. Paul didn't have TV like I have TV. I don't have TV. Paul didn't have the computer system like I got. I can surf the web. We think that Paul's life <laughs> was so, so wrapped up and so easy to live just because God spoke to him from a vision from, from, from heaven. And that would have an effect. I, I won't deny it. But you know, God speaks to you too. God reaches for you too. Are you any different than Paul? No. Well, where, where was Paul at? He was, when he wrote this letter to, to the Roman church, Paul was at the end of his third missionary journey. And uh, he was an old man by now. And like all old men, you tend to have your aches and your pains. Paul had more. He had so much more. See, he was writing from Corinth and he was intending to go to Rome to, to visit the church there but he, he sent the letter of, of the Roman uh, epistle to with the hand of another and uh, he had already experienced so many things don't you hate it don't you hate it when people tell you oh if you were my age you'd understand don't you hate it when people say uh You'll understand when you become a parent. Just wait till you have kids of your own. You'll know what we're talking about. Yes, it is. One that used to bug me is always, uh, oh, when I was your age, young man. No, I... We, 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 just, we just cast Paul into a category that says, you know, well, he, he is part of the Bible. He wrote all those epistles, and we tend to think that Peter and James and John and Paul could, could, could never, because of all the ease that we have today, they would never be able to live a victorious life today as, as they did back then because they don't have the conveniences that we have. But you know what? I don't think we'd be able to serve God with our mentalities today like they did back then. Let's look at what happened to Paul. In 2 Corinthians eleven twenty four. 24, it starts out, Of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, and once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I was in the deep. I have been in the deep. 
In journeyings often, in perils of water, in perils of robbers, in perils of wilderness, in perils of sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness, he must be talking about his old age right now, in weariness and in painfulness, in watchings often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides those things that are without, that which cometh upon me daily, the care of the churches. Now he had all these things happening in his life. He was constantly on the move. There were men who looked to rob him. He wasn't safe in the country. He wasn't safe in the cities. He wasn't safe by himself. He was cast as a prisoner in the, in, in the deep. He always seemed, according to this, went without food. He was always fasting. He never had shelter. And there were times when he had no clothes. Not like he was today. I mean, today he'd, he might even fit in. You know, there's a lot of people running around with no clothes today. But he had all these things. And yet he still was persuaded. We have all the modern conveniences of our today. We have our technologies. We have our iPhones. We have our computers. We have our internets. We have our TVs. We have our telephones. We have all these things, our cars. We can travel from one point to another in a matter of minutes. And we have all these things. And somehow we can't make it to church on Sunday morning. Paul had the skin ripped off his back. There were many who had animal skin sewed to their bodies and were chased down by, by dogs and, and killed. John was boiled in oil. Paul was cruci- uh, Peter was crucified upside down. And we can't live for God today? But instead of being bitter in all this, Paul comes to a conclusion. He comes to a point of view. Yea, doubtless, I count all things but the loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ. All the things that I have, my car, my home, my job, my house, my, my clothes, my radios, my, my whatever I have, God, it's all yours. He could have been bitter, but he wasn't. Oh, man, nobody talked to me at church today. I don't want to go back there. They're not friendly. Try hearing the dogs chasing you down, knowing that your life is about to end at the, at, at the, at the mark of an animal. Who was it? Was James or John or Jude? I can't remember which one it is. Was filleted. He was tied to a mat. And they took his skin with a dull knife and they peeled that skin off his body while he was alive. And we can't make it to church. Paul wasn't bitter. No. No, he come to this conclusion in Philippians 3, 10 and 11. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection. 
and the fellowship of his suffering, being made conformable unto his death, that by any means I may, un- may un- attain unto the resurrection of the dead. I'm willing to give it all up. Are you willing to say that? Are you willing to say that you're willing to give everything you have for Christ and not walk away bitter? Paul had it right. He, had a, he, had a, he got a hold of Jesus. He got a hold of something. He got a hold when, when Ananias come down and laid hands on him and his sight came back. He, there was something. There was something in those three days of fasting that, that, that got a hold. He, he, he said, oh, this has got to be worth it. i got to be persuaded the fact that God struck me down and spoke to me personally. I'm not going to give it up. We are expecting something great to happen here in the very, very near future. I'm not talking about the next presidential election. I'm talking about the rapture of the church. What are you willing to give up? What are you willing to hold on to to lose out on the rapture? What are you, if we're not here for change, if we're not here to be persuaded, if we're not here to walk according to the word of God. What are we doing? What are, what are you willing to, to, to hold on to in this life to gain hell? No, that's exactly right, nothing, sister. There's nothing in hell I want. Who are you going to sell out? Are you going to sell out your Savior for, for, for a little bit of paper? All they want is my money. Well, maybe you got a problem with your greed. If you're hanging on to something so hard, whether it's money, whether it's relationships, I don't know, whatever it is, somebody, if you're holding on to something that keeps you from heaven, is that worth the price of your Savior? Is that worth the price of walking one day into heaven and hearing those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter thou into thy rest? Is that worth your brand new car or your brand new boat or your brand new fishing rod? What's Jesus worth to you? Paul thought, it's all waste. It's all worth losing. It's all, there's not a shirt in my back that is worth holding on to. There's not a suit in my closet that's worth holding on to for my Jesus. I've got, I got things, just like all people living life, you know, you, you, you collect a little bit here and you collect a little bit there. You go to yard sales and you collect a little bit more than you want. <laughs> you know, but I don't care. You can have it. When I reach the point of rapture, when I go up into heaven, you can have my key. I'll give you the key to my, my house. I'll give you the wallet in my pocket. I don't want it. Because I want my Jesus. I want to take that key. And I want to take it everywhere. And one day, one day that key is going to take me someplace called heaven. You don't think the church, you don't think the church can do this? You don't think the church can make it? Then I would send you to a man like Brother Sebastian. You think the church has no power? 
You think that the church has no ability? I would send you to a man like Brother Arnold. The devil tries to tell you. You don't have to walk that way. You don't have to talk that way. You don't have to dress that way. There's a lot of churches that uh, you, can, you can dress the way you want to or not dress at all. Personally, I prefer to see you dressed. You can wear whatever you want to wear. You can dress the way you want to dress. You can talk the way you want to talk. All you have to do is learn the buzzwords. I am a Christian. I accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and now I am going to make it into heaven. But after church, you want to come over for a beer? No. No. My Bible tells me that without holiness, no man shall see God. The devil tries to say that this doctrine, your Bible, is ineffective. It it tries to tell you that it doesn't work. Those are for just, I have heard people, I have heard preachers say that those are just stories in the Bible just to guide you in life. Just good stories. Jesus was just a good story. He's more than a story. I knew a man up in Illinois who was a drug addict. He was a pusher. He went to high schools that he would sell uh, drugs. He took and not only sold them, but he used them. He was addicted. His mind should have been fried. But one day, he met the key to life. And it changed him. And he cast away those drugs. And he cast away that lifestyle. And he got a hold of this thing. And he put Jesus in his heart. He became persuaded. And God, you know what God did? He healed his mind. The drugs that should have burned his thoughts and burned out his, his, his moral life and the things that should have burned out and been gone and he should have been a vegetable because of the way the drugs affected him. God healed his mind. And you cannot tell me that Jesus Christ is still ineffective today. God's church is still victorious. It's not defeated. My Jesus is not defeated. God's church is still a chosen vessel. God's church is still a holy, spotless church. There's some in here who may not live holy, and I don't know who you are. But God is still holy, and God's church is still holy, and there's going to be people who are going to go up into heaven because they live holy. God's church is still marching on. God's church is not dead. It's alive. God's church is still saving souls. God's church is still making a difference. God's church is still delivering sinners. It's still changing the life of a drunk. It's still changing the life of an alcoholic. It's still changing the life of a murderer. It's still changing the life of a child abuser. My God is still working. And this church is still working. And it's moving. It's still bringing help to the helpless and hope to the hopeless. It's still changing lives today. And the world is afraid of it. They're still trying to stamp it out. 
the world's trolls trying to prevail against this church. It's not going to happen. There's some who may give up and say it's not worth it. But I'm telling you, my Jesus says it's once, 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 once Paul got a hold of it, once Peter got a hold of it, once I got a hold of it, I made a decision. You see, I became persuaded. I was, it was a watch night service, December 30th, 1978. I hadn't got the Holy Ghost yet. But I sat in that watch night service. And I made a commitment to God. I said, God, I don't, I don't know. I don't know when I'm going to get the Holy Ghost. I said, God, I'm going to serve you no matter what. I'm going to serve you no matter what. And God honored that commitment. And God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I, that was 20, 26 years ago, 27 years ago. And I'm still serving God today. What are you willing to sell out? What are you willing to sell Christ for? Are you convinced? The church was not created to become some, some kind of fraternity. It wasn't created to be an exclusive club. The church was blood-bought. It was to be holy. The church, the church is still the precious blood or the precious bride of Christ. You see, God's church is still a holy nation. God's church is still mighty through God. God, God, Christ, the blood of Christ is still breaking down the enemy's strongholds. We're still, the word of God is still invading the prisons. The word of God is still invading the jails. The word of God is still invading the schools. The word of God is still invading hearts and making a change and a difference. It's not dead. It's not ineffective. It's not going away. It's going to stay strong until the day that Jesus Christ returns. Our church is still having an impact. There's still men and women coming through our doors and saying, I'm needing help, God. God, I tried to live my life the way I wanted to live. I tried to serve whatever was the day and the, the, the moment of time. I tried to give myself to, to, the, to, the, to, the, to the lifestyles of this world. And it hasn't worked. There are so many people who are still looking for answers and they don't know where to turn. Scripture says in Ezekiel, God was looking for a man in Ezekiel to stand in the gap. God was looking for somebody that he could turn to so that he could, ha he, he could use them to, to talk about who God was. And, and he couldn't find one. He couldn't find a man to stand in the gap. Can I tell you something today? God is still looking for somebody who will stand in the gap. That when they see a co-worker hurting, when they see a friend who needs help, 
when they see somebody who doesn't have the answer, that they can bring them the key that Peter had, and that is Jesus. God is still looking for somebody who will take this Jesus and tell somebody else who is lost, who is hurting, who is in trials, who is in turmoils, who is in hurt, who is in pain, who is in peril, to say Jesus is still the answer. Boy, I wish there was an apostolic in the house. Woo! Our church, this church, God's church, God's people is going to rule in the new millennium. God's church is going to judge. God calls us a holy people. We are called to be priests and judge of the next world to come. Look at 1 Corinthians 6, 2, and 3. Do you not know that the saints will judge the world? And if the world shall be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Know ye not that ye shall judge angels? How much more things that pertain to this life? Let me break it down to Owen County terms. Why are you letting the little things bother you? Why are you letting the petty things steal your Jesus? Why are you letting the fact that you got some car trouble? You got some, you got some money problems. Why you got some food problems? And, and, and I, I'm not taking away from the importance of those things. But we let those things affect our walk with God. If we can't handle the little things that come our way in this life, how are we supposed to judge in the world that is to come? Church, this marvelous church, this blood-bought church, this holy church, this church that was built upon the rock, the truth, the fact that Jesus is the Savior of the world, this church is called the Ecclesia. It's called the called-out ones. It's called, we are called not to be a part of this world. The Bible says that we are called away from the things of this world. Jesus didn't say that it doesn't matter if you are rich or poor. He said, whosoever will, whosoever will can come through my doors and receive my salvation and you can be a part of the kingdom of God. Doing okay? Still in the book. God is still reaching. God is still touching. God is still talking. God is still reaching for souls today. The church is not a corporation. This is not a place to come and get a pat on the back and make you feel good. We are, we are not in the, in the, in the business of, of the power of positive thinking. In fact, I heard just recently, uh, I'm talking about Robert Schuler's church, the glass the cathedral. Uh, they had to sell it. Because they built their doctrines and their truths upon something that was shaky ground. When you build your church, when you build your life, forget the church for a minute. When you build your life upon the foundations of Jesus Christ and the word of God, it doesn't matter how much you, you lose or you gain. But we count all things but lost for the excellency of Jesus Christ. 
We are the church of believers who are trying to learn to walk in the ways of Jesus. We are the church. This is a family of believers who are trying to help and encourage one another. We as a church are trying to be a family of believers that are moving and pulling together in the same direction. We as a church are a family of believers who are trying to, to pray together for the needs of one another. We are a church. Blood bought. We are the ecclesia. 2 Corinthians 6, 17 Wherefore come out from, a, from among you and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean things, and I, I will receive you. Not an angel, not Robert Schuler, not the president, but I, the Lord Jesus, will receive you. You know, I don't know why we want to so much try to, to, to get along with the world. You need to quit trying to look like the world. You need to quit trying to talk like the world. We need to quit trying to dress like the world. We need to quit trying to follow the fashions of the latest and the greatest that comes along. Whether it be in fashion or whether it be in equipment, whether it be in technologies, we need to quit those things. Because you see, the Bible, my Bible tells me that the world is going to hate you no matter what. Why do you want to be like somebody who's going to hate you anyway? Why do you want to fashion yourself after people who have no love for your soul except what you can buy and what you can carry? Or the way you look? First John 2.15 says, Love not the world, nor the things of this world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. So whoever ever, whoever thinks that Oh, I can, I can walk in both worlds. We'll either end up backsliding or we'll be a very miserable person. Because you can't live in two worlds. You can't serve two masters. You'll either love the one or hate the other. Or you'll hate both. Because you can't be happy in either. Because you try to please both. Let us just make up our minds and sell out to God. It's better to just to give ourselves over to the whole matter instead of just holding on to a part of it. Colossians 3, 2 and 3, it says, Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. My Bible tells me that one day this, this world is going to pass away. All the, 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 the plastic-coated fenders, all the high-tech gadgets, all the newest cars, all the latest jets, the air that I breathe one day be gone. You find it in 2 Peter where it talks about the very elements. The very elements are going to be burned. Why do you want to hold on to it? You can take it to hell with you. You see, devil, Satan, Diablos, Beelzebub will use every trick he knows to get you to walk away from this church. He will use every lie Every temptation. He'll use every deceitful work that he can to destroy your walk with God. Why? Because you represent something that he could not attain to. And that is to be like Christ. That is to get close to God. He wanted to be God. That's why we put on the whole armor of God. 
that we may be able to stand against those, those tricks. You see, the, wild, the word wild is a trick, it's a deception. It's a, it's a place where, where the devil will, will use whatever means he will use to deceive. we got to get past thinking that this world is all there is to it. This world is just a transitional place. Because one day, one day you will either be in heaven or you're going to be in hell. One day you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Hebrews 9.27 says it's accounted all, unto all men once to die and after this the judgment. One day you're going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And he'll either say, well done, now good and faithful servant. Enter thou into thy rest or he is going to cast you into hell. It's going to be one or the other. There's not going to be no purgatory. There's not going to be no eternal annihilation. There's not going to be anything that will get you out of this judgment seat. When you draw your last breath, that's it, baby. You're done. It's judgment time coming. Victorious living. It's, 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 it's not a place. It's not a church. People say, oh, if I could just work for the church. If I, could just, if, I, if I could just stay in the church 24 hours. God didn't call you to stay here. God didn't save you to hide within the four walls of a building. God said, let your light so shine before men that they may ask, may ask of the reason of the hope that lieth within. God wants you to take this key, this Jesus, this light of the world and take it out to the world. What do you want to hold on to? What do you want to take with you? What is it worth to you? See, it doesn't matter. The world, the, the, the deck is stacked against you. Yeah, the deck is stacked against you. It's not just Satan that is against you. But there are, there, there are principalities and powers. There's rulers in darkness of this world. It says, of this world. Of this world. There are, there are people in this world who are dark. There are people in this world who are evil. There are people in this world who are in positions of power that are going to destroy you if they have a chance. And we want to hold on to this place? You can have it. God is a spirit, and the place that he inhabits is spiritual. Heaven is a spiritual reward for those who will serve him. 1 Corinthians 2.9 says, But it is written in, I have not seen, nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of a man. The things that God has prepared for you are for them that love him. God's got things for you. you your mind can't even can wrap, wrap itself around. God's got, got things for you that you, you cannot even imagine. That you, not even John in the book of Revelation could write down all the things that he saw. God, John was, had such a limited point of view because he didn't have the, the, the words and the things of today that just are able to explain things so much better to our understanding. But God's got things that, God, that John saw that we have yet to see. And he's got it for those who are willing to sacrifice, those who are willing to give all, their all. He that overcometh shall inherit all things. I will be his God and he shall be my son. You see, Satan... We are so, we get, we get, we get another point of view, and Satan is, it's just, just, he's a spiritual being too. He's a created being just like you and me. But his power is only limited to this world. 
He has no power in the world to come. He has no power to save. And yet we want to hold on to the things of darkness. So how do we overcome the traps? How do we overcome the, the, the weapons of our warfare on our carnal? But they are mighty through God, through the pulling down of strongholds. It's late, but stand. We, you, I, personal, we can live holy in this world. There's nobody in this room that I know has been boiled in oil. There's nobody in this room that I know has been stoned. There's nobody in this room that has suffered the things that the church has suffered in the early days. Many lost their homes and places to live. I, I want to be persuaded. No, I am persuaded. I am persuaded that neither life nor death is going to separate me from the love of my God. Joshua said, choose you to this day whom you will serve. I'm going to serve the Lord. And I hope that you will do the same. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for your many, many blessings. The greatest blessing of all, Lord, is that you've given me the opportunity to experience eternal life. That, God, did you give me the power to overcome the world as you have overcame the world. And, God, you are waiting. You are waiting to call your church home. And I thank you, God, that you waited for just one more soul. I'm thankful, God, that you waited for just one more person to walk through the door because that one person was me. And I thank you, God, for every other soul that walked through the door that, God, that they're going to experience salvation too. And I'm thankful, God, that you're reaching out and still touching and you're still effective. And I thank you for the word of God and the spirit of the Lord. I thank you, God. And I ask that you'd go with us today and keep us safe and minister to us and let the word of God speak and touch and help, Lord, us to overcome the things of this world. I ask your blessings, your touch, your anointing. I ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.